and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doofa Network where we dive deep into Wabo's most tattooed work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back for 6.8, which picks up again right where 6.7 left off. Um, Blake looks at himself and Evan, at Maggie and her goblins, and at Rose and Midge, and one of those pairs is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a great little opener to set the whole team up and everything. It, it's it's, it's uh, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and it got me thinking a bit more about Evan's form, because Blake goes on a bit of a thought tangent about Evan's form and how great a bird is for him. And like, yep. So we sort of decided, I think, that the spirits chose Evan's form. Like The, the yeah. spirits seem to make that call, I guess, which are... I wonder if the bird thing was, like, for both of them or more for Blake or, like, wait, you know, I wonder, much, I wonder how much it actually fed into Evan. Yeah, I mean, it ends up working pretty perfectly, but it's interesting, yeah, because, you know, when we were talking about Evan's characteristics as an other and what kind of animal form he would be likely to take, you know, a bird fits the things we were talking about quite well. Mm-hmm. It's just so perfect for Blake. Like, I, I guess it's probably a testament to how good a choice Evan actually was as a familiar for Blake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, it, it all just kind of works perfectly for him. And obviously, that makes sense outside of the story because it is a, a written story. But <laughs> it, it does indicate that it, Evan's a pretty great choice. Um, yeah. I, I really like the way this chapter starts. Right, because we we get a good opportunity to examine Evan and Blake. We talk about Maggie and her goblins, and we also, it, it kind of seeds this idea that Midge, it, I guess, you know, is onside for now, but it, it, it kind of plants this seed of her just not quite being the right fit. Yeah. Which obviously later turns out to be very true when she kind of actively acts against the team. Yeah, well, it's a real dense opening because it's, it's saying so much about, like, every character that it talks about. Um, Fell doesn't even make the cut, which is funny. <laughs> well he doesn't have a he doesn't have like a you know his 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 dog to to back him up he's, whatever, he's got know? a car um but yeah no, it's um Fill in his car <laughs> uh but yeah. like yeah it's sort of like you know it's very dense like it's saying just as much about what blake thinks of rose and and maggie and stuff as it's saying about yeah uh like midge or anything like you know it saying that maggie looks at home surrounded by goblins isn't really a compliment right like no it's not and, <laughs> and Blake kind of points out like oh she's got sticks in her hair and she's all scruffy and stuff it's like man, yeah well we harsh, Blake. i mean we've heard some stuff about how being like a goblin queen kind of has them rub off on you a bit and i guess we're seeing that yeah. uh we're seeing that in maggie like a little bit physically <laughs> yeah uh, just in in the care yeah. to her appearance i guess yeah, um, so Blake is thinking about why Rose chose Midge, and I want to read this quote out. I had a suspicion as to why Rose had gravitated towards Midge as a summoning, but it wasn't a suspicion I was free to think through. We had more pressing problems, <laughs> which is so interesting. I'm so curious what his suspicion is, because, like, there's a lot of options, right? Uh, some that I pulled out are, like, Midge, we find out she had, a, a, a like, a bad family situation, and maybe that's Rose relates to that, or... Like, people see Midge as subhuman and, and until she turns into an other and Rose is kind of like half human, half other. Maybe there's something there. I, I don't know. I mean, geez, I hope Rose's self-esteem isn't that far down the toilet that she's comparing herself <laughs> to Midge. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because like, you just sort of listed off all those ideas and those are all the things I've managed to think of as well and none of them really seem to fit what no. I feel like Blake's hinting at here. So 
This is yep. something I have no theories on, and I'm just sort of adding it to the list of things I can't wait to see pay off, uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> fairly soon. Yeah. Um, so, it turns out Midge is pretty beefy. She she basically starts ripping these dolls apart. Um, any damage that they take basically just seems to make her angrier and, and not actually hurt her. Um, and she really starts just tearing through them. Yeah, she's basically like the Hulk in the first two Avengers films, like just this mm. monster tearing through nameless hordes yeah yeah and a lot of the chapter is just kind of descriptions of how how much of a beast mode she goes <laughs> right like yeah she's she's such a i really think she's interesting because it is just people thinking oh she's not human and then she kind of becomes another like man that's that's such a weird like a weird origin story for another yeah yeah i mean we talked about this a little bit last episode but like this concept of her being inbred and belief driven and where yeah. it's kind of what exactly like how much both of those factor into what she is today and like wait it's kind of blurry how much is one and how much is the other which is very packed like you know it's probably yeah there's not rules about this stuff it's it's all very flexible so yeah she's yeah. just she's she's a uh, uh yeah yeah i, I don't know because she's not obviously she's like she acts more like a an ogre than a person in this encounter, right? And we've seen others that are more humanoid, right? Like, like for example, the face-stealing guy from, from Fell's Histories interlude, he kind of, he acts a lot like a person. And so it's not yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility that that could have happened, but Midge is just like, <laughs> not that at all. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't know what Midge was like before she died. Like, was she already a crazy maniac like this? Or is this sort of what's yeah. happened after hundreds of years of being in limbo or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, who knows. Um, anyway, Midge keeps tearing through the dolls, and and as she does, she kind of throws the occasional corpse at Rose. Rose will try and give her some a bit of instruction, and Midge will react not not <laughs> positively. Yeah, which, of course, like, as soon as this starts to happen, I think you're like, I mean, this is bad, right? Like, Rose is the one who's meant yeah. to control her, and Rose can't even get in a word. Like, this... What are we going to do when the dolls run out? Which is something that yeah. the group is forced to encounter very I'm soon. Sure, uh, she just doesn't like micromanagement, Blake. I'm sure, uh, Blake, Elliot, I'm sure it's fine. I love this bit where, like, Midge throws something in their direction because Rose is near them and Blake yells shit. Yeah. And then the next line is just crumbs. And, like, <laughs> there's, there's no context around it, but it's so clearly Maggie. Uh, like, like, we didn't need that spelt out to us. It's it's a really clever joke. I love it. Yeah. Um. So eventually, Midge defeats all of the dolls pretty pretty handily. She she kind of just fucks them all up. Um, and turns her menacing attentions towards Blake and the gang. Uh oh. Yeah. I want to pull out a quote here that says, "As far as Midge was concerned, the vessels hadn't served any purpose except to help her demonstrate just how good she was at hurting." and killing human-shaped things. And now with the vessels taken care of, the only human-shaped things around were us. <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> um, they, they kind of realise, hey, the dolls are all gone. Now now what? <laughs> and Mitch just kind of turns towards them and smiles. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and that that line, it just really sets the tone, like, just making the dolls human-shaped things. It's it's clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so then, like, Rose is still missing uh, in action ever since sort of being forced out of most of the reflective surfaces yeah, in the area. Exploding doll at her, yeah. Uh, and so there's this sort of scramble uh, by Blake to 
get Maggie to stop being unnecessarily cryptic and just tell him what they could do <laughs> without Midge. Um, yeah. But there's this super interesting thought tangent Blake goes down where he's like, think about how in recent years, uh, since being like on the streets and stuff, he's had to do a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. And so now he sort of knows like how he deals with things. And this is, this is something we've seen a lot in him since the start of the story. Like he's always been someone who's like, I just go with my instincts or uh, yeah. it, like, you know, I need to be doing something. Like he was already very aware of those aspects of his personality from the start of the story because that was post yeah. like, his time on the streets. And now he's like, he's sort of thinking, this is probably Rose's, like the last two weeks are Rose's first turn uh, really being backed into a corner. And is he mm-hmm. now seeing how she reacts? Like, is this her finally reacting to being like trapped? Like she's being reckless and indiscriminate and hold on a second that sounds a bit familiar um <laughs> yeah like this uh blake tying rose to being a bit more like him than either of them thought uh is a really interesting idea yeah and i think it makes sense for blake to recognize the the way he used to act when he was first living on the streets and and you know backed into a rough corner um in rose now now that this is kind of happening to her for the first time or you know for the for these two weeks yeah yeah exactly midge charges the cabal and evan does a bit of tricky flying to slow her down (laughs) uh and rose finally comes back and kind of tries to rebind midge but midge keeps throwing stuff at her to just (laughs) interrupt her and and stop her before she can which is a good a good uh a good strategy for midge yeah yeah well i mean uh, that's the issue with having rose and i think i think either maggie or fell kind of calls this out i think it's maggie who's like it's probably some kinks to work out here in the whole person in the mirrors does the summoning <laughs> bit. Um, yeah. But I love I love this line as uh, Midge is approaching them. Blake sort of says she's somewhere between an approaching rhino and an infant girl absently carrying a toy around with her because she's got some of the doll's yeah. corpses. She's like, there's a lot of room between those two things, Blake. <laughs> um, but it's such an evocative image. I really like it. <laughs> Yeah, it is a great. It really kind of gives you the mindset. I mean, the the infant girl absently carrying around a toy is like a perfect image to think about <laughs> to to immediately understand what Midge is acting like. Um, yeah, it's interesting to me. Midge seems like smarter than you would initially think, right? Like the idea of shattering Rose to stop her from from you know binding you back up again pretty clever and and midge does a few kind of cleverish things yeah well i compared her to the hulk before but she seems to show more intelligence than the hulk did like back in those two movies Mm. like she she is still a person to some degree in terms of intelligence and stuff yeah yeah which again just kind of makes it a bit more tragic right yeah yeah (laughs) um so uh you know rose is kind of struggling to contain midge and and the rest of the gang are trying to kind of get up to speed on midge so that they can help out but there isn't really anything they can do there's this kind of strange feeling where midge is around just fucking shit up and they can't really do anything but stay alive until rose comes back yeah i mean they're basically just on the defense um for this whole fight which is kind of a metaphor for the whole contest really um Wait, there's this funny thing where their whole plan is to just dodge and stay alive, and now they're trying to dodge and stay alive from their own shit. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, they have enough on their plate, but they're, they're yeah. adding more. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, they've kind of made their own bed here, right? Like, the, it's just, they've just made their own bed by, <laughs> like, you know, Blake last chapter was talking about, hey, is it the right idea to summon these kinds of things? And... I mean, I mean, I guess Midge did help them beat all these dolls up, but you know, 
Well, from the way she beat the dolls up, I think it really calls into question how much of a threat they actually were. <laughs> like, I, I think yeah, Blake, <laughs> Blake does suggest that if it had been them, they would have suffered a lot more damage. But, uh, yeah, I don't know they don't seem to have been. Well, I mean, they're not as tough to fight as Midge, obviously. Yeah. And later on, you get, I think it's Blake or Fel who's talking about like, no, Fel, Fel mentions these are kind of like their, their initial testing the waters attack. This wasn't, these dolls aren't meant to like kill them. They're just meant to kind of size them up a bit and let them make a more tailored attack, right? Yeah, well, these are the generic robots that they just sort of already had ready, and it's like they they throw those out, and then they start working on actual ones that fit the situation. These are kind of the catch-all, uh, yeah. keep you busy robots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Bad things in store, I assume. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Midge's like we get some more on Midge's backstory here as well. It's just uh it's pretty horrifying. Like the like obviously she's inbred and, and all that, but like. Nothing bothered to claim her when she died, so apparently that's why she can be brought back, because, like, yeah. she fell into limbo, I think is, is what they call it, um, mm. and it's just like, and you can be brought out, like, you can be summoned out of there pretty easily, I guess, but it's just like, no wonder she's so angry, I'd be pretty pissed if death rejected me as well. Now, this actually makes me think that maybe there is more to Midge being an other than just perception, right? Because this is obviously a pretty tangible thing that happened to her, um... Which indicates to me, like, maybe there's, like, a, a Grim Reaper or whatever for people and a Grim Reaper for, I don't know, others or no Grim Reaper for others and, and Midge kind of fell on that line. Yeah, or is it because she fell on that line to what it, for whatever reason that she became more other, you know? It could be, could be either. Yeah, fair. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it's just a, a fluke, like, the Grim Reaper fucked up his, his tax bookkeeping or whatever, and, and now Midge is an other as a result of that. I, th- um, I think Maggie almost describes it as they didn't care enough about her. It's not that they fucked up, they're just, like, sort of like, nah. Yeah. Which is, like, rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, so Fel starts using his illusion magic to, to keep them all safe, um, and Midge is just kind of blindly throwing things around <laughs> hoping to hit them um but she eventually gives up on this and turns to fell's car uh, i love this image of like so she's about to throw stuff at them and fell throws the powder up and so then she just starts throwing things in the wrong direction and like she yep. looks really confused about it which i love because it doesn't make any sense so uh it's great to see that recognized in just midge being like wait what the fuck like and then and so then she just closes her eyes and starts throwing in random directions hoping to hit them which is hilarious <laughs> I also love this bit where, after Fel does it, Blake is like, you couldn't have done that sooner, uh, like, to spare us the tension, and Fel just responds, shh, Thorburn, you don't know what you're talking about. And I, I just <laughs> I just love the shushing, uh, it's so condescending, um, yeah. and, and like, Fel and Maggie are already kind of bouncing off each other in a really fun <laughs> way that is exactly what I would have hoped for, so, uh, yeah, it's yeah. great. Fel's just a perfect... <laughs> Fel's becoming my favorite character very quickly, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I I feel like I didn't appreciate him enough until this reread. He's hilarious. He's fucking great. Um, it's so Fel is is also very driven to to kind of drop anything to save his car. He he kind of runs out from behind this protection, and and it, we would find out later this is kind of like dropped the protection for them. He he very clearly cares more about his car than anything else, and. You know, it makes sense, right? Like, this car is his one bit of freedom in his life until today, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, Blake Blake even gets it. Like, Blake obviously cares yeah. a lot about his bike, and, 
And I think there's one point where Blake makes a comment like he cares about his friends more than his bike, but he kind of gets Fel doesn't really have any friends. So for him, mm. it's just the car, and he he understands Fel prioritizing his car over Blake's friends who are relative strangers. It's like kind of shitty, but he kind of gets it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I think well, because it's like this is Fel's escape, right? This is the this is the one piece of Fel's identity that he really feels like he owns and i think that you know blake does relate to that blake is in a similar situation with his yeah. motorbike right yeah well because he's come from a place where he had nothing and, and now he's got his bike yeah. so uh they're very similar symbols to to each each man i think um yeah i, I also what like just the oh shit moment when midge turns towards the car like he just immediately feels like no and and nah, like, not gonna <laughs> let that and, happen and blake freaks out as well <laughs> Yeah, Phil, Phil explains it later as being like, oh, you know, if we lose the car, we're totally fucked. And Blake's kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> um, neither of them neither of them believe that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not that. It's just Phil wants to save his car, which you get. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also, I love this bit. So they start to charge Midge to uh, stop her from wrecking the car. Uh, and Evan sort of lands on Blake. He's like, how cool was that when you like threw me at Midge? Because we sort of skimmed over it before, but <laughs> there's this great bit where like Blake sort of gets Evan to hop from his shoulder to his finger and then like throws him forward and, and it looks really cool. And Evan's like, Evan just sort of comes over and he's like, how cool was that? And, and Blake- That was so cool. Yeah. And, and Blake doesn't really have time to respond, but I was like, it was pretty- Like at the time, I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And Blake at the time thinks like, oh, I'm so glad that that worked. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously, I mean, presumably the spirits agreed, and that's why it, it went so well. But uh, I, I really, yeah, yeah, I just, I just love Evan. Uh, sort of his enthusiasm <laughs> is so is so captivating. Yeah, he yes, he's he's very adorable. Um, now there's an interesting bit that comes up next where uh, Midge kind of throws a piece of glass at Blake, and Fell uses some powder to make a Blake clone, and the the glass hits the clone instead. Cool little trick. Um, mm-hmm. But then we see. Then we see Midge rip off Fell's arm and kind of gruesomely kill him. Yeah. And it's about nine or ten lines of this, and then it's revealed that that was also a clone, and it's kind of this weird little writing trick where it's like, oh, 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 okay, yeah, it's all good. Um, I don't know. I I actually, I think maybe I misread it or or something. I kind of assumed that there was a Fell clone as well, so the whole time I knew (laughs) that this was the Fell clone, I was like, why are we spending so much time reading about the Fell clone death? And it wasn't until my second yeah. read through that I was like, oh, oh, I, I actually didn't know. Well, I wasn't meant to know that he was a clone here. So I, I just kind of assumed if I would protect himself as well, I guess. But uh, it, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a mean, it's a mean little it's a mean little trick by Wildbo uh, to <laughs> make everyone yeah, think Fell died for a bit. Yeah, just stop your heart for a moment. <laughs> um, uh, so Fell and Blake kind of managed to defend the car. Uh, Midge starts heading off back towards Tiffany and Maggie to fuck them up. Uh, until Rose comes back. Rose uses some, some you know, big fancy binding words and Midge's rebound. Um, and Tiffany is not happy. I just have to read out the line when Rose comes back because it's great. Um, so Blake is thinking about M- Midge and he says, We tried to fix one problem and we'd created a bigger one. I'm back, Rose said. Speaking of. Which is harsh. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, way to way to burn Rose. It just in your head, mind you. Like he's just seen this, but uh yeah. <laughs> uh rough. Cold. Um so yeah, we didn't touch on it too much, but throughout the whole chapter we get these beats of of Tiffany 
not being able to handle combat stuff very well. Um, not not like major things, but kind of like you know, we we focus on her reactions as she's as she reacts to things going wrong uh, more than other characters. I think. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's it's always things like uh, when something lands near them, it's always Tiffany yelped, uh, like yeah. st- stuff like that. Uh, wait, wait, yeah, she's clearly so far out of her comfort zone. Um, yeah, maybe don't make huge life-altering decisions like this based on a crush. Uh, is is the lesson Tiffany is learning oh, here? Oh, that's the human condition, <laughs> Elliot. Um, no, yeah. Uh, so it kind of is coming to a head here when Tiffany kind of seems to shut down a bit. Um, Phil says, "Oh, we should keep moving," and she <laughs> visibly flinches, which I think is a, a pretty bad sign. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, also, Dick Swizzle dies in this bit too. So, R.I.P. Dick Swizzle. Oh yeah, he gets ripped in half. You will That's be missed. Yeah. I mean, Maggie um, doesn't seem to give a shit. She just throws the whistle down. <laughs> yeah, she just kind of discards the whistle. Like, all right, there you go. Um, that's cold, Maggie. Uh, anyway, so uh, they kind of figure out what they can do next. Uh, they decide Tiffany should get sent off to manage the safe havens because I don't know. She she doesn't really want to be out and about. Um, and the others all head to pick up Alexis and Tyler. So to be clear, Tiffany's been left in a place by herself now. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If I was Tiffany, I, I don't think that would be better. Like, I, I do not trust this at all. I feel like Tiffany's going to show up again uh, in not a good state. Uh, cause, or like, like, be captured? Yeah, or like, be on Conquest's side or something? Yeah, be, cap- be captured seems the most likely. Like, it's ridiculous to yeah. me that they think she's safer because she's been left alone. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Ah, oh, she just wants to go have a nap or something, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so they, they kind of plan out their next move, and Blake is still... It's interesting, Blake is still very suspicious of Maggie. He kind of is trying to figure out a way that the summoning with Midge that went wrong was actually Maggie's fault. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of convinced himself that she probably had something to do with it. Like, they they figure out the phrasing that they think is, is what went wrong, yeah. and Blake is like, thinking to himself that maybe Maggie, like, forced Rose to say it that way, or told Rose to say it that way. Um, yeah. Which is funny, because I don't think she would do that, but I also am not confident to say she wouldn't, so I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, I have a line I want to pull out, another classic Phil banger, where he says, If I could say so, Phil said, I would say that summoning was a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> which is just, it's such a great level of, like, he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, I mean, someone needed to say it, but of course yeah. it had to be Phil because his <laughs> phrasing is hilarious. Yeah. Um. So as they're kind of planning the next thing, Phil accidentally lets slip that the hyena exists. And so Blake has this moment where he's like, oh, fuck, I have to show Maggie now. Although he's, he kind of is like, oh, you can't have it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which seems to genuinely upset her, which is, uh, you know, makes sense, I guess. But uh, I guess it's a good thing he's sort of made those promises to Evan and stuff because he's. He's got those to fall well, back on. He doesn't. Ha- he doesn't have to tell Maggie the real reason. He doesn't want to give it to her. Yes, but also it is like a dangerous goblin sword. I don't. I don't know if Blake. Uh, I feel like saying, "Oh no, I want to hold on to it." Is probably a defensible thing anyway. Without those bargains, I don't know. Yeah, but then on the other hand, if one of your champions is a goblin queen and you have a goblin sword, yeah, uh, maybe yeah, dele- <laughs> delegating responsibility of controlling that to her makes sense. Yeah. Um. Also, so, and also, he did. He specifically picked her as a champion because of the hyena. Yeah, which is exactly. a good point to keep in mind. <laughs> um, so they start talking about what they're going to do next, and Fell comes up with this uh, strategy. It's like, if we can just hold out for two days, then the weekend will be over, and the sisters will either have to or want to return to work. 
um, mm. because they're still normal people uh, to some degree. And so Conquest will start to like lose resources and morale, um, which is obviously going to force his hand a bit. Um, yeah. And my first reaction to this was like, oh, only two days. And then my second reaction to this was like, well, that's about 20 years for Blake. So Yeah, that's like, what, three arcs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just about. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, e- either there's no way they're going to make two days or we'll get some sort of time skip, uh, you know, of how they've been handling like, the last two days or something. But uh, mm. it, it's just funny. Two days is actually a long, long time for post-awakening Blake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two days, yeah, it's it's not as insignificant as you would think. No. Um, so Rose and, and Tyler come up with the next little bit of strategy. They, they plan to operate in both the real world and the spirit world, kind of to, to give themselves more options. They have more space to play in and, and more kind of tricks to take away Conquest's power. Yeah, and they're kind of hoping it's something that he doesn't see coming. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it seems smart, I guess. Yeah, it's a good bit of strategy, right? Because... You know, they they either can have the protections of the real world or the freedom of the spirit world, and they can kind of choose which they want at any given time. Yeah. I mean, really, like, the, the issue with this is that there's the potential for more civilian casualties uh, in the real mm. world, is, is sort of their thinking. Like, they don't want to affect the real world that much. Um, mm. And normally, I'm sort of one of those people who gets a bit frustrated when, like, uh, Infinity War spoilers, uh, Captain America lets, like, hundreds of people die to try and save, like, one other person's life. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but they're they're just nameless characters. They don't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I that sort of thing in storytelling really gets me. But so like you know, usually I'm the sort of the sort of person to be like, well, you know, if 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 you might kill a hundred people to sort of defeat conquest, uh, then in the long run that'll save thousands. So they'll be okay. But I don't really think that applies here because we've already heard conquest yeah. is is a form of stability for the region. And like you know, it's like is, is Blake the bad guy? uh here (laughs) well yeah i think that's fair i think that's a fair point up until the point that conquest starts summoning demons to 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 fuck shit up right like yeah yeah. conquest has been relatively stable from what we've seen but it's clear that he's trying to make some moves now that he's got an opportunity to yeah exactly so like i think it's pretty easy to sort of make that case now that it's like well thousands of people might die if, if blake is captured or rose is captured by conquest so yeah you know it, it if some lives have to be sacrificed to get there you can argue that's worth it or whatever but uh yeah i mean also conquest is the one who put them in the spirit world to limit deaths uh and they say that there's other reasons he did that but kind of like you know they're they're taking agency to put the civilians at risk uh in a way that <laughs> doesn't doesn't necessarily feel like they're still really able to call themselves the good guys as much yeah no yeah it does feel like they're getting themselves human shields right and and i think it's especially important because we remember one of the things that laird was kind of on top of was he has to be an actual police officer because he's kind of seen as that symbol right yeah um and so obviously duncan is a police officer here and so that kind of will apply he he can't go around just killing civilians um Mm. But also, Conquest is the lord of the city, and so you would assume that means that he does have kind of this uh, responsibility to take care of the people within his city, and so possibly it, it, having these civilian casualties will actually weaken him a lot as well. Yeah, well, I guess because so, I'd argue part of conquering someone or something is having like the power and the status quo, like Toronto being a healthy, vibrant place is presumably better for conquest. Yeah. As long yeah. as he's in charge of it. Uh, so like, it would make sense that he wouldn't want 
that much damage to take place to the city because it's more of a it's more of a statement of of him his ability to conquer things if he's conquered a place that is really like you know strong yeah yeah it's true um yeah i don't know it's interesting we'll see what ramifications it has as the story goes on i suppose yeah um the last thing we see in this chapter is uh blake kind of seeing a news broadcast that that shows how the the real world rationalized what happened with midge basically there was this crazy lady on a drug-fueled rampage who attacked shoppers before she was kind of gunned down, um, as the interpretation of, of Midge, I suppose. Yeah, and, like, it's it's sort of crazy how the the real world, like, blended around what was happening so perfectly to make, like, the plausible yeah. deniability for this, like, footage. Um, yeah. You know, we've already heard, like, that 9-11 was a, was a practitioner-related thing. Um, mm. so I wonder, like, you know, what, what did 9-11 look like in the spirit world? I wonder, like, was there something more to it? Was the plane not necessarily a plane, uh, in, in the spirit world? Like it, there's a lot of interesting implications for historical events here. Yeah. And we'll get into some of this later. I think, um, it is yeah. an interesting topic to think about. Um, but the thing that affects Blake about this, which is interesting to me, well, I'll pull out the quote. I'll pull out the quote. Conquest was applying his own pressure to us in his own particular way. He didn't actually care about the residents of Toronto. He knew this would bother us more than it bothered him and his people, with the possible exception of the astrologer and the sisters. I wondered what he thought after seeing Midge's rampage. I hated to think it, but he could almost think we were shoving it back in his face, showing we could do just as much incidental damage. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's, it's a good way to end the chapter. Like, Conquest must be thinking like, what the fuck, I thought they didn't want to hurt civilians. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he definitely could be uh, if he's made the mistaken assumption that they had the Midge situation even remotely under control. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't. There's no good interpretation here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it, it keeps it keeps going on that line we were just sort of talking about about bringing the civilian world or the real world into it, where it's like, like who's who's necessarily the bad guy here? Like Conquest is doing a lot of bad guy stuff, but we're sort of seeing more and more that. Blake and his team are kind of sinking to that level a bit to yeah. stay alive. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could argue that they're doing it on a lesser scale and for better reasons, but they're still doing mm. it. Yeah, Blake is definitely going down the trap of, you know, the slippery slope trap, right? Of, of just yeah. kind of doing slightly worse and slightly worse things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, anyway, that's the end of 6.8. Um before we wrap up, we wanted to introduce a new discussion question, just because something in this chapter kind of piqued our, our f- theorizing curiosity here. <laughs> Thinking about how the human world rationalized what happened with Midge, I think it's interesting to think, you know, we're in the human world. I wonder what kind of things that happened in the practitioner world we had to rationalize away, you know, in this universe. Um, so I'm really curious to hear people's thoughts about which weird historical events are likely to just be rationalized practicing right yeah so a bit of a creative writing uh discussion question i guess but uh yeah like pick mm. pick some random historical events or something and uh try and come up with theories about what might have really been happening uh <laughs> in the spirit world uh, and why we saw what we saw i think i think it's, it yeah. could be a lot of fun yeah i think it's interesting it, and it, it, i think it will work well because there are so many weird things that happen in history right so many <laughs> weird moments and i'd love to hear the the actual reasons for these. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, 
So uh, leave your answers to those in the discussion threads that will be the discussion thread that will be linked in the in the show notes of this episode, and we'll kind of come back to them in about a week and and read off some of the ones that we really liked the most. Yeah, well, so that'll be six eleven. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's us for this episode. Um. Yeah, I guess comments on on the that discussion question or any uh any thoughts on this chapter in general. Pop those down in the discussion thread. Uh, down below. Yes, uh, and yeah, if you want to hear more Deep Impact or anything else on the Doof Media Network, you can head over to doofmedia.com. Yes. Um, if you want to hear more from us, we have another show that we do every fortnight uh, called Media MD, and an episode of that has just come out where we are talking about uh, Comrade Detective, a yes. very strange, <laughs> a very interesting show. I think um, unique is, is probably one of the most apt yes. descriptors for Comrade Detective. A show that isn't what you would expect it to be like when you hear about what it is. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and even when you hear about what it is, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, anyway, check that to check that out, head over to uh, MediaMDPodcast.com or check out our Twitter at MediaMDPodcast. Yes. Uh, and if you like Deep Impact or any of the other shows on the Doof Network, head over to Patreon.com slash DoofMedia and uh, spare us a dollar if you can. Uh, every dollar helps and keeps us afloat. Yes, there are a number of awesome rewards that you can uh, opt into if you are a patron, ranging from just getting access to the Discord, where we all talk about media and all kinds of things a fair amount, um, some good Marble Olympics discussion happening in there, <laughs> uh, all the way up to getting to choose your own uh, thing to be talked about on an episode of the Doofcast. Uh, a patron recently suggested uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, and we kind of guested on an episode of the Doofcast talking about that. So check that out. Uh, check out the Patreon. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, and don't forget about Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo. His stories are entirely funded by Patreon donations as well, so uh, help him out if you can and you enjoy his stories. And I know you do because yeah. you're still listening to this podcast. So Yes, it would be strange if you listened to this <laughs> podcast but didn't actually like Pat. <laughs> that would be a weird... I wonder if there are any listeners doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty dedicated, like, hate listening if if you're still here. Uh, so <laughs> What, six, six and a... Six arcs in, right? Yeah, I mean that's kind of impressive. Like props to you, but like also that amount of hate watching and listening, you should still donate to Wildbo. Yeah, I think I think you've gotten enough hate hate joy <laughs> out of it that it's worth donating a few dollars. Um, anyway, uh, that's us for this episode. Our next episode uh, six point nine will be coming out on Friday the seventeenth of May. So we will see you then. See ya.